Gracias por sintonizar nuestro podcast. Te habla tu servidor, el Pastor Mario. Esperamos que este mensaje te anime, te desafíe y hable a tu corazón. Disfrútanos. But man, I, I, ten and single, we spent in that area ten years, and we gave, we gave the strength of our youth to Mexico. When, when I had the most strength, when I had the most to give, at least physically, I think I have more to give now, but that's where we spent it, was, was in those places and, and with young people, and a lot of it had to do with music, and we did big concerts, and we would have, in, in our little pueblito, we would have 5,000 people show up for a concert there there's no no internet then we we it just word of mouth people would it, it was the holy spirit we probably the best 40 days of my entire life to date were spent in mexico we did a 40 day fast preparing for i don't know if you've heard of fermin cuatro fermin cuatro came to our little pueblito <laughs> and he did a concert with us and and it It changed that whole valley. It was it was so beautiful. But part of that, and, and this this is, I mean, so much went into those 40 days. It was the best 40 days. You can ask my wife, the best 40 days of my life. And I preached every single day. Uh, we saw more healings in those 40 days than many, many other times in our ministry. We saw, we started with a group of 15 Jovenes that turned into hundreds in 40 days. In six weeks, our, our, our tiny little church exploded. And all we were doing <laughs> was loving people. We were fasting. We were praying. The young people got in their spirit something that was unstoppable. They refused to not tell everybody in town about Jesus. They, they started bringing their cousins, their uncles, their aunts, and there was just, our little 15 turned into hundreds in days. It was crazy. It was so much fun. The, the Lord has been showing me, taking me back to those days, the best 40 days of my life, and he's saying that was just the first fruits of what I'm going to do in this revelation of the love of the Father. Just looking at the kids up here, it reminded me one service we had, it was a Sunday, and, and we had kind of this little room that we put the kids in, and there was some of the Hovenists were in there, and the Hovenists were just, the young people were just getting so touched by the Lord, and, and, and we had just done a retreat with them, and, and I said, everything you received, you can give to the kids. And so they prayed for the kids, like crazy things were happening with these young people. And, and the stuff that they, they had been dabbling in and that they were freed from and unbelievable. So they prayed for these little kids and there was maybe 30, 35 of them in this little room. We, our service was long, not probably unlike yours. We'd do an hour, hour and a half of worship, another hour, hour and a half of ministry, worship. Just, it would take probably three, three and a half hours. We, we go check on the kids after three and a half hours of service I remember one of the, the hermanas came running up to me. She was, Pastor, Pastor, Pastor. 
And, and all the kids were laid out. And I asked Itzel, one of the girls who took care of them, I said, what's going on? She goes, they've been, they've been like this for hours. They weren't moving, not one of them. And so the parents, they're all scared, like, what's happening to our kids? And I'm like, no, 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 don't touch them. Just leave them. They'll, they'll, they'll be back. <laughs> and, and we, I mean, they, the parents were very nervous. And I said, it's going to be okay. They're, they're just resting. They're breathing. Nothing's wrong. <laughs> and then after a couple more hours, so they'd been like that for four or five hours, they started to wake up one at a time. And they started to tell the tale they, they were somewhere together. They'd gone to heaven. They'd played. <laughs> they'd, they'd met the Father. Porque para Dios no hay nada imposible. It, it transformed these kids. Kids were doing ministry. Kids were, were doing deliverance. Kids were prophesying. I'm just so grateful to be here with you. Because you look like them. <laughs> you do. I remember sitting up on a mountain one day and just asking Father, I said, would you give me a people? I'd, I'd read lots of stories about signs, wonders, and miracles, and I said, I, I don't want to read any more stories, Papa. I want to be in the story. And he took me on the wildest ride I've ever been on, and I could stand here and tell you stories all day of what he did in and through, and and just the brothers playing. We had we had a family of brothers, and they intermittently, they, they lived in our house, some of them for a couple years at a time. They became our kids. <laughs> They're now running a church up in, in Waukegan, Illinois. But they, they could play, they loved playing music together. And I've gotten to go to a lot of places I've got to see a lot of things, but really those days were some of the best. We were just free. We we believed God could do anything and he did more <laughs> every time. You can borrow one of those. So this morning... I feel like the Lord has something for us and, and we're just going to jump into it. And we're going to start in Mark 5. And, and I'll give you some context of what's going on here. But, but it begins with, I actually believe it begins with, with a husband and wife having a conversation. <laughs> we don't see that in the Bible, but I have to assume something happened. 
You see, there's this man, Jairus, and, and Jesus, verse 21, now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. You see, Jesus was getting a reputation. Things were starting to happen, and people knew that he was coming and going. I'm still, I'm still back in Mexico, and I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to come back here with you guys. So he had this, he had this following, and, and people knew that he was coming. And, and there was, it says in verse 22, And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and he begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed. This word healed here is sozo. And, and, and sozo probably we all know, but in First Timothy it says that the de- desire of God is that all be sozoed, <laughs> saved, healed, delivered. God's desire is for complete wholeness for us. He, he doesn't just want us to say a prayer and, and go continue our lives as we've lived it. He, he wants to save our soul. He wants to save our mind. He wants to save our emotions. He wants to save our physical body. He wants to transform it all into his kingdom. He's not okay with us just saying a little prayer. And the prayer, I don't want to diminish saying a prayer. We must believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. There's, that, that is the step, that, but, but God's never finished there. He, he wants all of us, 100% of us. And so here's the conversation that I imagine because Jairus, he's part of the synagogue. The synagogue, they have already determined that they're going to kill Jesus. So he's part of the wrong team. I don't know if you guys follow football. Maybe you're Cowboys fans. (laughs) There is redemption in the kingdom. But but if you could imagine like like the Green Bay Packers coming down to, but it'd be a choke, right? There'd be like conflict, if, like, and and if if I was to stand here in a Green Bay Packer jersey, like I'm on the wrong team, I'm in the wrong place. Jairus was on the wrong team. In fact, his he he wasn't he was like he was a a leader in in the synagogue. He wasn't a priest, but he was maybe like head accountant or uh, over the grounds. I don't, I, it doesn't say what his job was, but he was a leader. And so that means in town, everybody knew whose team he was for. Everyone knew he was with the religious. He was with the Sadducees, the, the, the Pharisees. He was part of that team. Jesus, everyone also knew, was on the other team. And so Jairus, who's well-known in town, he has protocol. He's, he probably dresses really nice. He probably had a really nice house. He probably had nice stuff. Everyone, when he'd come, they'd kind of move aside and give him space. So this is what I imagine happened in the morning. Jairus had a wife. And she said, honey, no, I, I don't care about protocol. I don't care about your friends at work. Honey, your daughter is sick. She's not going to make it. Jesus is coming to town. 
I want you to get Jesus. I, I, throw yourself in the ground if you got to. Do whatever you have to. Act like a child. I don't care what you tell him, but you get him and you bring him home or forget about it. You're not going to have a daughter and you might not have a wife anymore. <laughs> I mean, women can be quite strong, especially when they're fighting for their kids. No, it's, it's mama bear time. And, and the Bible doesn't say this, but Jairus walks in a way that's entirely opposite of his culture, of his protocol, of his position. A, a, a Jewish man, one, would never throw himself on the ground, especially one who's in high standing. He's in charge of the synagogue. He, he, he carries himself in such a proper way. There's just no way that he would do that. And so we see here that he throws himself in front of Jesus' feet and he begs him, Jesus, if you would just come. And, and, and probably people were, oh my gosh, you see Jairus? <laughs> He's acting a fool. And he was. Have you ever acted a fool for Jesus? Yeah, that's awesome. It's a good day in the end for Jairus. My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Now, I, I've got to preface this, and, and many of us know this, but Jesus, if you've seen Jesus, and he says this himself, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so everything Jesus does is exactly what the Father would do. In fact, Jesus was a perfect manifestation of the Father. And so as we read the story, we, we keep in mind that this is the Father leaning in to a couple of stories that are interwoven. And we're going to unpack them as we go. So Jesus went with him. <laughs> like, that was the moment. So Jesus went with him. He, he said, yes. I mean, if you can imagine, if, if it would have been me, I would have gotten a hold of Jesus and say, are you ready? We're going. And I would have, <laughs> because there's a massive crowd, there's people, and they're all pressing towards Jesus. They wanted to be part of whatever Jesus was doing. But Jesus said yes to, to the wrong team. <laughs> and he said, let's go. Let's go back to your house. Let's check things out. And so Jairus and, and Jesus begin to walk. And it says a great multitude followed him and then uses this word called throng, thronged him. Thronging would be as if all of us in this room, and what we're going to do, we're going to put, we're going to, Mario, <laughs> forgot your name for a minute. We're going to put Mario in the corner and all of us are going to pack around him as tight as we can and then we're going to say to Fabi, touch Mario any way you can. Get to him. All of us packed in here. Like the word thronging literally means that you're pressed so hard that you can barely breathe. It's not just like a scattered group of people. It's a pressed in, smashed group of people. And in the far corner, let's say there's Fabi or, or Mario and, and Fabi is trying to get through all the legs, all the bodies, and we're just being smashed in all of us right here. That's, that's the, the idea of throng. It's not just kind of a bunch of people in a big space. It's 
smashed people. So that's, that's what they're trying to work their way through. Jairus and, and Jesus. Now, now we have this kind of shifting gears. It says, now a certain woman had a flood of blood for 12 years. Now there's a couple things we've got to just kind of take note of. There's this woman and she, she has an issue of blood. So what that means is that she's unholy. She's, she's dirty. Not, not in a sexual sense, but just she's unclean. And so she can't be around people. She can't be particularly around anyone that has anything to do with religion. She can't be near a priest. She's unclean. If a priest touches her or she touches a priest, he's disqualified she, because it's a blood issue. And so what's happened to this woman is that for years, it seems, she's been ostracized by her family, by her community. She can't come into the temple grounds anymore. She can't come near to the priest. She's been ostracized. She's, she's off by herself. And, and, and it starts to explain some other things that we realize how bad it was from her. But then it says for 12 years. So whenever we see 12 in the Bible, it's a divine stamp. So we go, oh, she's got this issue, but she's had it for 12 years. So God's up to something. So let's take a look and see what God was up to. Verse 26, she'd suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. So not only has she spent all her money, but she's been ostracized from all her friends, her family, her church. She can't really talk to anybody. And so now she's come into town because she also heard Jesus was coming. Now remember, Jairus was Jesus by the hand, my daughter's on the point of death. You've got to get there quickly. They're on their way, and they run into this woman, a certain woman, with a blood issue for 12 years. Many of us in our lives, we feel like we're on track. We're going somewhere. And then there's this divine delay. Like we think we've, we've had the prophetic word, we had confirmation, we, we feel peace, where we really think like we're going somewhere. The Lord has given us something to do and we're like, I'm in, I'm in the plan of God, I'm walking with God, this is amazing and, and I'm going somewhere. And then, as we're gonna see here, there's this, like a pause. I'll call it a divine delay. And then what do we do with that? When, when it seems like everything's going like it should be. We're, we're walking with Father. We're walking with Jesus. It, it, like all the right things seem to be happening. And then suddenly, like you're on the train and then the train is off the tracks in a big pile and you're like looking around and you're like, what happened? How am I here? And what happens to our hearts? We begin to question God. We begin to question our, our place in the plan of God. And we start to wonder, am, am I too much or am I not enough? Am, did I do something wrong? And, and we start to lay that culpa on yourself. 
Like we start to blame ourselves. Like, what have I done wrong because I was doing everything right? I thought, I, I, I talked to the pastor and he was with me. I'd gotten prophetic words at conferences. I, I just felt peace and I knew that this is what God had planned for me. But yet now here I am in this, this mess. Does anyone ever find yourselves there? I think the Lord has something for us this morning. Verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Now remember, Mario's in the corner. How, how do we get to him? That was this woman's thought. How do I get to Jesus? And, and, and we're going to see here in a second, she's, when she heard about him, she knew if she could just touch his garment. And she begins to recite this even to herself. For he said, if I may only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. If I may only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. If I may only touch... She had to have come to the crowd probably with a shawl over her head. She, she was full of shame. I mean, if you can imagine walking with, with a blood issue in this culture, first century Judea, which the law, which rules everything, says you are unclean. Stay away from people. You'll make them dirty like you're dirty. You're, you're, you're not worthy of being around other people. You, you just go away. And it's probably God that's punishing you. So you've done something wrong. You go sort yourself out and figure out what's wrong with you. If you get better... Maybe we'll talk. This woman, she didn't have any more choices. She's out of money. She doesn't have family, friends, church. All that's gone. All she has, the only shot she has is Jesus. But part of the reality, if she touches Jesus, she makes Jesus unclean. He's a rabbi. He can't be a rabbi anymore. Talk about like high stakes. But she didn't see any other way out. So she's saying, if I may only get through this throng, if I may press through, if I could just, if I could just touch him, I should be made whole. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of affliction. She was free. In an instant. I don't know how she got through she she had to she had to just be so tenacious she had to fight her way i just i imagine her just crawling through arms and legs and and bodies and going i'm going to touch that garment because if i don't touch him i'm i'm done it's this or nothing but at the same time if she does touch him she's done you see she's made a priest unclean she really she should be stoned I mean, what, what tenacity, what, she just knew that she knew if I only could touch his garment, I might be made well. Things might work. Verse 30, Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. And he turned around the crowd and said, who touched me? He's talking to the boys. Imagine all of us smashed in here. And somebody way back there, Mario, and somebody gets through, Fabi gets through, and she touches just his, his, his pant leg. 
And, and, and the, the Greek is very clear that Jesus has absolutely no idea who did it. Like he's sincerely looking, who touched me? And the boys, they're all around him, the disciples, they're like, are you kidding me? We're being thronged. I can barely breathe. Jesus, what do you mean? Who touched you? Who hasn't touched you? We're all trying to touch you. This is madness. What do you mean who touched? (laughs) But Jesus knew something happened. You see, power had left his body. I don't know how she pulled that out of him. Faith. But her faith... (laughs) Something in her said, no, hay nada imposible para Dios. Something in her said, I believe. I've seen and I believe. I've heard the stories and I believe. I believe this is God on earth. And if I can just get to God. You see, they've kept me out of God's house. They thought they could keep me away from God, but now God's walking in the earth and I'm going to get to him. <laughs> My faith is going to get to him. My faith is going to make a way for me to touch the hem of his garden. And Jesus is asking the question, who touched me? And his disciples are like, we have no idea. And so he looked around to see who had done this thing, verse 32, verse 33. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. You see, she got caught. And the first thing that hit her was fear. Remember back Adam and Eve when when they ate the fruit? What was the first thing that hit them? They 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 knew they were naked. And and then they were afraid of God. Fear. Fear came into the situation. How come fear came in? Fear came in because they had disconnected from a heart connection from their father. You see, they had lived in the reality of love. They had been clothed in love. They had been surrounded by love. All they knew was love. They didn't know fear. Fear wasn't even in their vocabulary. They couldn't say fear. They didn't, there was no reason to even say that word because they never experienced it. And then suddenly they ate of the fruit. They sinned. And now... The first thing they run to is, how do I fix it myself? And I need to hide from God. You see, they were disconnected from their heart, and now they were starting to think from their mind. Beloved, if and when you find yourself in fear, the Bible says perfect love. Perfect love is the answer for fear. Perfect love is the answer for anything that resists who God is in us. I I would even say, I'd go this far and say, love is the most destructive force on the planet. It it really is. Love is what's going to take over the planet. Love is what's going to take over us. You see, when we submit to God, when we go, Father, just as we were singing this morning, Help me open my heart to you. I open my heart and I receive from you what he says, what he does when we do that. He goes, oh, this is going to be good because now I can put myself. Romans 5, 5, he pours his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. He pours love 
the essence of who he is, stuff. It's tangible. It takes up space. He pours it into our hearts. And anything that's resisting love in us is destroyed, including fear. You see, the desire of God is that all be saved, healed, delivered. He doesn't just want to deliver us. He doesn't want to just save us. He doesn't want to just heal us. He wants the whole enchilada for us. (laughs) He wants it all for us. It's not that we want it so bad. It's that he wants it so bad. And he's just waiting. (laughs) Just say it. Just say you need me. And he wants us to interact from our heart. As soon as the devil can get us from our heart to our head, he's won. We start eating from a a different tree than the tree of life. We start eating from the knowledge of, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So here she is, she throws herself on the floor and, and she's asking him, help me. Part of what enters here also besides fear is, it's just this, this orphan heart. They spoke a little bit of, Dennis and Phyllis, a little bit about an orphan. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will come to you as a father comes to you. You see, the orphaness in us says, who are you to ask God from something? Who are you to say, God, I, I want love? Who are you to say, I need more? Who, who do you think you are? That's what the devil's going to whisper. Like, who are you to think you have this grand plan with God? Who are you to believe that he's loving you and that he wants to destroy everything that's opposing him? That's not how this works. It's, it's you've got to think, is what the devil will whisper to you. You've got to work it out. In your own strength. You, you've, you've got to begin to, you know, do the right things. And that means you've got to start to weigh and measure what's good, what's wrong. And he just gently leads you right to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which every single time leads to death. So you think you're on the right path, and he slowly trickles you into death. This is everything that's happening to this certain woman. 12 years, she's been wrestling with this. Power has come out of Jesus. Man. So he looks around, knowing what happened. She falls down before him and she tells him the whole story. And, and listen to verse 34. Remember when Jesus says it, the father's saying it. And I just picture him. She had to crawl to get to him. She's in the dirt. The boys, the disciples are standing around her like, what have you done? You're, you're unclean. You've just touched a rabbi. You've made him unclean. You've ruined Jesus' life. And now we should probably stone you. I mean, that's what's going through their head. They make a little space and go, what's up, woman? What are you doing? This is Jesus. He's a, like, what's going on here? And then Jesus, <laughs> a perfect manifestation of the Father. I just picture him. He gets down in the dirt. He lifts her little head, and he says this word. This is the first word he says to her. Daughter. 
He speaks identity into her. You know what my dad thinks of you? Know how he sees you? He sees you as his daughter. Forget about what these guys are saying. Forget about protocol. Protocol's already been thrown out the window in this whole story. Jairus threw himself like a little, like a little kid at his feet and said, I want. <laughs> he did. That's not a Jewish man. That's, that's a little boy. He stepped into the kingdom for a minute. Maybe longer. So now, where was I? Daughter, there you go. He picks up her chin. He looks in her eyes. Eternity looks into her being and says, you are a daughter of most high. That's your identity. That's who you are. That's what you live. That's what you breathe. And then he goes on, daughter, your faith has made you well. Again, sozo, same word. Saved, healed, delivered, completely Completely healed, completely saved, completely loved. She got the whole package by touching a robe. She fought through a throng and touched a robe and Jesus felt power. Jesus wasn't even involved in it. Her faith was. Her faith went ahead of her. Her faith drug her, her dying body along. Her shame filled, I'm not good enough. Nobody loves me. I'm rechazado up from my church, from my people, from everyone. I have nothing. I've spent all my money. The doctors have just made me worse. And Father says, don't worry about all that junk. Listen to what I say to you. I say you are my daughter. And your faith, your belief, you see, we see and then we believe. And when we believe, believing leads us to action. When we step into belief, i.e. faith, oh, there's nothing. No hay nada imposible para Dios. We step into this wonderful world of faith. And then he says to her, go in peace and be healed of your affliction. You're, you're saved, healed, delivered. You, everything that was wrong is now made right. You, you are whole, perfectly whole. Now go. Go and live your life. But remember, we started the story with Jairus. We, 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 we had a little interruption. We had this divine delay. What's going on? Jairus is still standing there watching, and he had to, at part of this, he had to be kind of psyched. Like, whoa, whoa. Oh, she's healed. Come on. This, all right, this is good. Let, let's keep going with the meeting, right? <laughs> While he was still speaking, some came from his household and said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher anymore? Like, just leave him alone. Get away from Jesus. Jesus, obviously, he's being thronged. He's got stuff to do. You have things to do. Your daughter's dead. You need to hire, hire whalers. You need to start feeding people. You're, you have, it says the poorest of poor, they can afford several whalers and flute players. That's just part of historic reality. A rich man, he would hire dozens of whalers, people that they pay to, to emote, to cry. 
Is that good? Okay. <laughs> and so they would pay these, these whalers to stand outside, and, and they'd have to be preparing food. They'd have to be doing all this stuff. And his, his household, so he had a household. That means his people. I, I don't have people in my house that will come tell me things. <laughs> but he had people. And so his people came and said, leave Jesus alone. We got stuff to do. Forget about it. <laughs> there he goes again. I love, I love this. You see, this is, beloved, when, when, when there's a divine delay in our lives, the people around us are going to come and they're going to say, it's dead. I don't know why you don't get it. I know you had the dream. I know you had the, the prophecy. I know the pastor was in agreement. I know, I know all that stuff. Great, whatever. Can you not see that it's dead? Forget about your dream. Forget about whatever you feel like you were supposed to do. That's come. I don't know why. Maybe, maybe you're in sin somewhere. I don't know. They'll start whispering things to you and saying it's just dead. You got other things to do now. Forget about your dream. Forget about your, your divine dream that you had. Oh, wow. <laughs> a, a mocking spirit will come. And we'll see that more in just a minute. But this, this is a crisis in our, our faith when there's a delay. It's a crisis. We're trying to figure out what do I do? I thought it was, I thought we were doing all right. I thought we were going the right direction. And now we're in this heap on the side of the tracks. Am, am, did I not hear God right? Is God rechazando me for some reason? Is he rejecting me? Have I, have I done something wrong? Is, does he not like me? Why does he like them more? Uh, this other person just got their dream and they're living their dream. I've been carrying this thing. Oh, beloved, that's, that's some of us today. And he's, he's got something to say to you. I love this. Verse 36. This, I'll read it out loud how it's written, and then I'll tell you how it actually is. <laughs> as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And it's a present continuous verb, so it's do not be afraid, just continue to believe. But this phrase where it says, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, the literal translation is, as soon as Jesus, ignoring what was said, like th the men came around and were telling Jairus, hey, forget about it. And Jesus went, la, 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 la. <laughs> he didn't hear it. And, and they came and said, oh, Jairus, you got it. La, 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 la. <laughs> and then he turned to Jairus and said, look at my eyes. Do not be afraid. Just continue to be Believe. Continue walking in belief. Continue to believe. And, and I, I, would, I would say that Jesus probably said, look at my eyes. Look at who I am. Yeah, fear, fear is trying to creep in here. 
yeah, there's, there's this divine delay and, and superior wisdom, which we're going to look at in a second. What the world says, it's clamoring, it's dead, it's dead, it's dead, she's dead, she's dead. Don't listen to that. I'm not. In fact, I went la, 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 la. Jesus literally ignoring what was said. He ignored it. It's like, that's not my dad. I'm going to listen to my dad. So I'm going to tell you what my dad's saying. He's saying, don't be afraid, just continue to believe. Don't be afraid, just continue to believe. And they began to walk on. And he permitted no one to follow him except for Peter, James, and John, the three, the ones that Jesus pulled in close. He said, there's something going on here. There, there's mocking that's starting to come towards us. There's this unbelief that's in, the, in this place. And there's one thing that Jesus just gets, he gets angry about. Like angry is unbelief. And particularly public unbelief. He, he, and, and we're not going to look at some of those stories today, but Jesus just gets riled. Like uh, the literal word that's used to translate when Jesus feels his way, it's like a horse snorting in anger. Like, <laughs> like Jesus gets angry about unbelief in the in the room, unbelief in the in the in the environment. He he he's like, you don't you don't know who my dad is. Wow. So he, he gets those he trusts the most, the closest ones, and he goes, Come on, we're gonna go. We're gonna take a walk. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a turmoil. And those who wept and wailed wryly. So all the wailers are there already and they're and they're carrying on and, and Jesus is like, okay, <laughs> whatever, la, 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 <laughs> wail on because you're not seeing what I'm seeing. You're not seeing from my perspective. You're not seeing from my dad's perspective. And when he came in, he said to them, why make all this commotion? The child is not dead, but only sleeping. And for some of you today, I want to say, it's not dead, it's just sleeping. There's, there's a divine delay in your life and, and those around you, and we're going to look at this right now, but there's those around you that, that are beginning even to mock you. You say they're saying it's dead, why don't you just let go of that? You've got other things to do now. But Jesus says, do not be afraid. If, see, the, the devil... The world throws fear at us. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Just continue to believe. As you see and believe, belief is the, the, the train tracks that faith rolls on. And as we see, we believe, we can step into his reality. That's what Jesus is saying to Jairus. Forget about all that. The Lord put something in your heart. You and your wife agreed. You came. You threw yourself like a little child in front of me, and I agreed. That was reckless faith, and I'm in agreement with reckless faith. So I'm going to see this through to the end. My dad's going to see this through to the end. Why make all this commotion? The child is not dead but only sleeping. Verse 40. This is where the, the literal translation of the word is, is superior knowledge. So there's a conflict between what God has said and what we call superior knowledge. It's knowledge of the world. It's carnal knowledge. 
It's, it's can't you see it? The train is on the side of the tracks. It's not working anymore. <laughs> your, your big dream you had with God, it's not working. Do not be afraid. Just continue to believe. Oh, beloved, there's some of you in this room that, that have tasted the believing, have tasted Jesus saying, do not be afraid, continue to believe. You've tasted of the dream that the Lord has put in your heart, but your, your you, fear has overwhelmed you. This superior knowledge, it says, and they ridiculed him. Part of the price of fearless, fearless faith is that the mocking spirit is going to come against it. Mocking from the world is going to come. Those who can't see with, with heavenly eyes, they're going to say, you're, you're, you're ridiculous. What are you talking about? It's dead. Great. You had this ambition. Whether it was God or not, it doesn't matter. It's dead. Get on with your life. You have things to do. That's what the people were saying to Jesus. That's what the people were saying to Jairus. She's dead. The wailers are here. We're, we're wailing. And Jesus has said, the child's not dead, but she's only sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had pulled them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child, so Jairus and his wife, and those who were with him, so the three boys, and they entered where the child was lying. You see, the thing about superior knowledge, the wisdom of the world, it's never going to experience the supernatural. The only thing, the only ones that experience the supernatural are those with fearless faith. Those that continue to believe, those that aren't afraid. Oh, beloved, there, there's some of you in this room that the devil's been lying to. And you, you've even had the world come around you and say, it's dead. It's not going to work like you thought it was. And there's, there's a father in heaven that's saying, it's not dead. It's just been delayed for a minute. It's sleeping. It might look dead. But right now, it's just sleeping. So Jesus pulls the parents, the boys, and they took, he goes in. And again, it says he took the child by the hand. He's a rabbi. Rabbis can't touch dead people. Jesus is just smashing protocol left and right. He had a woman with blood issue touch her. He, he let her go. He didn't stone her. He, he, in fact, he saved, healed, delivered her. And now he's touching dead people. Priests, rabbis, they don't get to be around dead people. They get to touch dead people. That makes them unclean. Jesus should have run the other way. <laughs> but he walks with his father who says, do not be afraid, just continue to believe. So he reaches out, he touches the girl. And he says, Talithia kumi, which is translated little lamb. You see, God, the father, takes this little girl's hand and he said, this is who you are. You're my little lamb. Oh, I love you so much. You, you were just sleeping. You weren't dead. 
yeah, superior wisdom, the world out there, they think they know something. But they don't walk in my world. My, my world is alternative to their world. My world lasts forever and ever. It never, ever is going to cease. Their world is coming to an end. If, if you could see with the eyes of your heart, you would have stepped into this. But you couldn't. And so he just pulls her up and goes, little lamb, I'm loving you right now. I love how Jesus ends it. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age. Again, divine stamp. And they were overcome with great ecstasy. <laughs> it says they were, they were overcome with great amazement, but the literal translation is ecstasy. Like they went nuts. I mean, can you imagine? Your daughter was dead. The, the whalers are outside. Science, medicals have come around you and said, don't worry about it. <laughs> She's dead. You got other things to do with your life now. The dream, it's dead. You got other things to do with your life now. Jesus says, do not be afraid. Just continue to believe there is something else going on here. We pushed a pause. I don't know why the pause is, but you look at Moses. He got a 40-year pause. <laughs> he did. The Lord said, you're not, you're not ready. If, if, if you went the place that I was going to take you in your current state, it would destroy you. Sometimes the Lord just goes, you know what? I need to grow up a few things in you. So we're just going to push pause. It's all here. Nothing's happening to this. I'm going to take care of this while I take care of you. And I'm going to begin to grow you on the inside. I'm going to begin to pour my love into you. I'm going to change you into the nature and character of me. I'm going to allow you to walk with me. So then down the road, when the divine delay is over, you continue to believe. You're not afraid. You're walking in faith. You can see. You believe. You're stepping into this railroad of faith. And you're, you're beginning to see with the eyes of your heart instead of your head. Those who are coming around you mocking you saying it's dead, why you think you're doing this? You're, you're a maniac, you, you have no idea what you're doing. Anyone can see that it's not working. Oh, what does my dad say? Do not be afraid, just continue to believe. And he, he carries us along until he goes, okay, okay, I've, I've done what I needed in you, now we can take the pause button off and you can continue in what I put in your heart. It's not dead, it's just sleeping. Oh, beloved, when we walk with our heavenly father, like time isn't an issue. Let Leslie spoke about this a little bit yesterday. Like, like he can actually go back in time and heal things that we need healing. Things that our mom or dad couldn't give us. He can, he can give us in full. I, I want to pray for for some of you. I, I don't know who you are, but you know who you are. And and I'm going to ask you to have a little faith this morning. <laughs> and and take a step. Do not be afraid. Just continue to believe. Now, I can't tell you if the Lord's put a dream in your heart. I mean, I can. Some of you. <laughs> but we're not going to start there. <laughs> we're going to start with I'm going to ask Father to just to nudge you if, if this is your day to, to, to come out of unbelief and step into belief, to come out of fear and, and, and I would even say orphaness. 
What, what, what an orphan feels is that they're not enough. They have nothing to contribute. They're less than. It's, it's presumptive to believe anymore. Beloved, for sure there's been some around you that have mocked you, that have said it's dead, leave it alone. It's time to move on with your life. It's time to grow up. It's time to do what, whatever it is. But I know there's some of you that today there's been this dream and even just me talking about it, it's, it's starting to awaken. And you're going, I remember what that is. And it, it, it doesn't have to be all of us. I feel like the Father wants to mark us today to continue to believe and to not be afraid, to keep our eyes on him, to walk with him as a dad. So, so if that's you, I, I just want to invite you to come forward. And, and probably some of you will feel nervous, but man, this, <laughs> it's not dead. <laughs> it's only sleeping. I also feel like there's, there's some that need physical healing. It, it's hard to read a, a story like this that's, that's so about physical healing and not just minister that. There, we, we've seen not only a person risen from the dead in this story, but one that has walked in sickness and disease and infirmity for 12 years, both made fully whole. So if, if you need physical healing, I'm, I'm just going to ask Leslie and, and Phyllis and Dennis to, to help me pray. You can just let us know. Are, are you here for physical healing or are we praying for, for the divine delay to be released? And maybe some of us, it's, it's just, do we have, can we resist the mocking? I'm, I'm asking God to, to just increase our faith today that we're, we're no longer afraid of what he's put in us, but we're actually continuing to believe and we're stepping into, stepping onto the, the roadway of faith. We're, we're a family. And so if, if this isn't you and you're not coming up, you, you can just pray for everybody who's sitting up here. Just extend your hand and, and pray. And maybe if, if you can just put just some soft music on. Our keyboard player is going to get some prayers. He can't. <laughs> I just want to pray for all of us before we get started. Father, we're, we're so grateful that you're a loving, loving father. Father, I just thank you for or even just the, the courage of some of these that are standing up here today. If they're standing up here with a dream that's, that's, that's been dead, that means they've, they've resisted mocking. They've resisted those who have come against them. They've, they've resisted superior knowledge to even keep the dream alive in their heart. And Father, today we're asking you to mark them to seal that dream within them, that, that they can 
look up to you, Daddy, and hear you say, do not be afraid. Just continue to believe that they can rest in your, in your goodness, in your kindness. They can rest in who you are. And Father, I just ask across this room, whether, whether you're standing up front or not, Father, that you would just make a deposit of your love in each and every one of us. It doesn't matter how much we've received of this revelation of love. It doesn't matter how much love we've received. There's always more. <laughs> and so we just say yes and amen to the more we receive all that you have today, Father. Let's open the heavens. Abre las puertas de los cielos. Let it rain today with your love in this room. We're not asking for a little. We want everything that you would give a son or a daughter today. We stand in, in, in that, that place of a son. We stand in that place of daughter. And we receive from you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Papa. Thank you, Daddy. Gracias, Papi. Yo recibo, recibo de ti. Gracias, Señor. Te doy gracias. Pedimos, Señor, por demasiado de tu amor en este día. We want everything that you would give us today, Papa. We want too much. What does it look like when a people carry too much love? When a church has too much love and it, it just goes spilling out into the street. Father, we want the rivers, the, the heavens to open with love. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So we're just going to pray as you stand here. And the rest of you, if you're, you're still sitting down, you can just join us in praying. Just release faith, hope, love into your brothers and your sisters. We just thank you, Father.